welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hello, welcome back, and as always, thanks for listening. So let's find a way to put a leash on our dogma. Got a crazy dogma. Dogma will bite you. Dogma. Sounds like a really crazy word. Dogma. What is it? Dogma. Well, dogma, if you look it up on the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, several definitions. A lot of times the word dogma is associated with the church. It goes right along with doctrine. People hear, you know, you don't hear dogma that much. Hear doctrine. And most of the time people have negative feelings immediately when they hear the word doctrine. Not so much when you hear teaching. When you hear doctrine, that just, and then when you go to dogma, that sounds like, oh man, I think. It sounds like something that'll bite me. So, um, the definition of dogma, several. Number one is something held as an established opinion. Okay. An established opinion. Still an opinion. Okay. An opinion doesn't mean fact. It means an opinion. All right. Um... Also, it can mean a code of tenets, like pedagogical dogma, and basically is a fancy term for a set of things that you teach in a certain order. Number three is probably the one you're more familiar with. A point of view or tenet put forth as authoritative without adequate grounds. Without adequate grounds. Now, where do you find that kind of thing? Well, in most churches, actually. Um, There are some things that we end up accepting. And and I've done this, okay? I've done this. Because, I mean, I've been in a denomination ever since I can bloom and remember. And so, um, you're taught these things, and you never think to ask, um, hey, is this for real? That never really comes up, because everyone just accepts immediately that it's true. Um... A lot. Uh, now, honestly, though, when you hear the word dogma, you don't hear that word associated necessarily with a lot of Protestant evangelical churches. Most of the time, you're going to hear that with some of your liturgical high churches. And they say high church because of the tradition, not necessarily they're elevated or anything of that nature. But here's the thing. Um, there are uh, 
some tenets, some teachings in the Catholic Church that come straight from the Church because it has to do with how you view the authority of Scripture. And, for example, if in the Catholic tradition the Pope utters something in what they call extra-cathedra, um, it's as good as the Scripture. It means that came straight from God. And there have been a few popes within the past hundred years that have done it. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not an expert in, in, in Catholic doctrine by any stretch, but I do believe that the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, which basically means that Mary was born without sin, um, I think that was an extra cathedral kind of thing. Because you can't find it in the Bible. It's not in there. Um, and you can look in a Catholic Bible, and you can look in a Protestant Bible, and it doesn't matter. It ain't in there. Nevertheless, when the doctrine was issued, they said, hey, Pope said it, extra cathedra, this is the way it is. End of story. So... Um, now, does that happen in Protestant evangelical circles? Nah, not so much. However, there are some things that many Protestant groups hold as just apparent um, that are just, you know, and a lot of time, and they get taught that way. No, this is just the way it is. As reality, for example. Sign gifts. In many Protestant traditions, uh, sign gifts, for example, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, um, things of that nature, are gone. Those people are referred to as cessationists. Okay, um, and many traditions teach that. Hey, just that's just the way it is. Well, now across the aisle, you got a whole group of of Pentecostal charismatic groups that say, "Uh, wait a minute," and they call foul and they say, mm, "I don't think so." So that being the case, um, now. Here's the kicker. Let's get back to the third definition of dogma. Dogma, a point of view or tenet, and a tenet is a, a point of knowledge or teaching, put forth as authoritative without adequate grounds. Doesn't mean you don't have scripture, because believe me, Plenty of people got a plenty of scripture to throw on all kinds of jazz. The complication is, is the interpretation. Now, it's interesting. Here's, here's, a, 
here's a uh, a verse that gets brought up when you start challenging somebody's dogma. First of all, when you say, well, you've got dogma, they're like, no, I don't. I don't have dogma. I had to have him put down. Uh, no, you got you got dogma. Um, you may not know it, but you do. And uh, it's kind of sneaky. Uh, so the dogma came in the back door and took up residence in the garage. But here's the thing. Uh, in Second Peter... There's a verse that says, 2 Peter 1.20, Peter is talking about and talks and addresses a lot of teaching and people who are teaching, but he's impressing upon the reader that, he says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own imagination. 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, exactly what does that mean? When you hear the word prophet or prophecy, um, a lot of times we immediately attach that to uh, some mystical power to tell the future and that's not what it is it's not what it is at all that is something else that's called prognostication and evidently um in a limited sense demons can do that for people but what a prophet does is they Fourth, tell the word of God. So you're saying, well, wait, wait, wait a minute, I don't understand. What do you mean? Because in the Old Testament, there was plenty of people predicting the future. Yeah, they were, but here's why they were doing it. God would tell them, this is going to happen, and they would tell the people, this is going to happen. And it wasn't because they mystically knew this was going to happen. It's because God told them this was going to happen. And it works the same way in the New Testament, by the way. Um, and, by the way, it does that way through Scripture. Here's the difference. The difference is with Scripture. Instead of just telling the people, they're writing it down. God tells them, Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, and they write it down. Now, we can go all kinds of crazy about plenary... Um, uh, inspiration and whatnot and all the details of that, but we're not gonna. What we're gonna do is, is say this. God spoke to men and men wrote it down. What that means is that um, even though he used an individual to write it down, it wasn't this person's imagination dreaming up what God was saying. Now, the version I just read to you was the uh, ESV. KJV is something people hear a little more often. Um, same two verses, Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not 
in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, what really hangs people up is private interpretation. Because that sounds, when you, when you hear that, immediately somebody's thinking, oh, wait a minute, uh, this person grabbed the Bible, they got this, you know, they, they read this passage, and then they got a really weird take on it, like aliens. They're telling people aliens made it up. Yeah, that's weird. But here's the thing. That's not where he's going with this. What he's trying to emphasize is that the people who wrote the Bible down didn't do it out of their head. Didn't do it out of their head. It was the Holy Spirit, God speaking through them. And because it was that, it's for everyone. Now, same token, um, if we had more consistent uh what they call hermeneutics or exegesis of the Bible, we probably wouldn't have so many denominations, to be very honest. But we did. And I'm not going to go into this denomination, that denomination, or what have you. What I am going to say is this. God's Word to us is something that's designed to be a group effort. Yes, read the Word. Write down what you see and what God's showing you. Check it out with other people. But read the Word first, by the way. Don't read a commentary first. That makes me crazy. Because you want the Holy Spirit talking to you. And you want to write down what the Holy Spirit's sharing with you. Um, now you can compare it with what other people have to say. Nothing matter with that. And, by the way, you might find that you're wrong, they're right, or they've got a little bit more illumination than you do on that. Um, and don't be put out by that because... It's an iron sharpening iron kind of thing. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos aside and explained him in a more perfect manner. The word of God. Now, he was a powerful preacher. And he was doing some fantastic work. But they still saw the need. Hey, Apollos, come here, man. Let's show you some stuff. And they did. And he can get bent out of shape and run off and pout in the corner. What he did was, he learned. So, the reason, I guess, dogma sounds like such a horrifying word, dogma, is because if you go back to that third point where it says, uh, again, a point of view or tenet put forth as authoritative without adequate grounds, that's where you got people blindly believing stuff. And by the way, here's another one. That the Pharisees were all hypocrites. 
Well, that's dogma. And here's the reason why. In Scripture, it also says several of them get saved. But it didn't say, and they stopped being Pharisees. No. Or it's implied, you know, they became Christians and not Pharisees. No, that's not what it says. It says they got saved. So here's the thing. Test what you're taught. Test what you're taught. Just, and, and ask. Check with people. Look at commentaries. But please, I'm begging you, don't read the commentary first. Read the Word let the Word, let the Holy Spirit talk to you first. Then you can check out some stuff on the side from very learned individuals who are also supposed to have leading with the Holy Spirit that can show you stuff. That is how you put a leash on your dogma. And... Uh, so what you want, you, you, you know, you want your dogma under control. You know, don't feed it too much. Pet it. Keep it under control. Amen? So with that thought in mind, I want you to keep on speaking it on. And as always, Don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth.